2024 regular meeting of the San Francisco Ethics Commission. Today's meeting is live cablecast on SFF TV 2 and live streamed online at sfftv.org slash ethics live. For public comment, members of the public may attend in person or may participate by phone or the WebEx platform as explained in our agenda document. And Mr. Clerk, can you please explain how today's remote public comment will be handled? Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda. Each member of the public will be allowed three minutes to speak. For those attending in person, opportunities to speak during the public comment period will be made available here in room 400 City Hall. For those attending remotely, public comment can, can also be provided via phone call by calling 1-415-655-0001. Access code is 2663-558-1258, followed by a pound sign, and then press pound again to join as an attendee. When your item of interest comes up, please press star 3 to raise your hand to be added to the public comment line. Public comment is also available via the, via the WebEx client application. Use the WebEx link on the agenda to connect and press the raise hand button to be added to the public comment line. For detailed instructions on how to interact with the telephone system or WebEx client, please refer to the public comment section of the agenda document for this meeting. Public comment may also be submitted in writing and will be shared with the commission after this meeting has concluded and will be included as part of the official meeting file. Written comments should be sent to ethics.commission at sfgov.org. Members of the public who attend commission meetings, including remote attendance, are expected to behave responsibly and respectfully. During public comment, please address your comments to the commission as a whole and not to individual members. Persons who engage in name calling, shouting, interruptions, or other distracting behavior may be excluded from participation. Thank you, and now I call the meeting to order. Uh, item number one, roll call, please. Commissioners, please verbally indicate your presence by saying aye after your name is called. Commissioner Finlev? Aye. Chair Lee? Present. Commissioner Salahi? Aye. Commissioner Sai? Aye. Commissioner Flores Fang has an excused absence. Chair Lee, with four members present and accounted for, you have a quorum. Agenda item number two, which is general public comment. Uh, let's see. Can you check and see if there's anyone waiting in the queue? Madam Chair, we are checking to see if there are callers in the queue. Madam Chair, there are no, no callers in the queue. Okay. Uh, item number two is now closed. Let us go to consent. Good morning. I'm doing a sound check. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, we can hear you after Great. Thank you. Oh, uh, we're not. Now let's go to consent calendar uh, items three, four, and five. Let's know that there will be no separate discussions on the consent calendar item unless a request is made by a commission member or member of the public in attendance. 
in which event the matter shall be removed from the consent calendar and considered as a separate item. Uh, do I see any? I'd like to remove item number five, please, the acting executive director's report. Okay. So item number five is removed from consent calendar. So let us take a vote on um, consent calendars, item three and four. Do I have a motion for approval? I move to approve those items. Okay, uh, second. Second. Okay, uh, let's go to public comment, please. Madam Chair, we're checking to see if there are callers in the queue. Madam Chair, there are no callers in the queue. Okay. Um, let us take a roll for items three and four. On the, the motion. motion. Yeah. Sorry, on the motion. On the motion to adopt the consent calendar, Commissioner Finlove? Aye. Chair Lee? Aye. Commissioner Salahi? Aye. Commissioner Sai? Aye. Madam Chair, with four votes in the affirmative, and zero votes in the opposed. The motion is approved unanimously. Okay, let us go to item number five, which is the acting executive director's report. Commissioner uh, Salah, uh, Salahi. Salahi. You got Salahi. it. <laughs> Thank you, Chairman. Good morning. Um, you wish to. Yeah, th thank you, Chair Lee. Yeah, the reason I wanted to pull it um, was to just give the acting ex executive director an opportunity to address uh, some recent public uh, news coverage of the commission's work on the audit update. Um, specifically, there was an article in Mission Local uh, scrutinizing the commission's timeline for completing campaign audits. And I understand there may have been some inaccurate or incomplete information public might benefit from some clarification on. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Salahi. Um, yes, I can provide some clarification. So in the um, acting director's report, I provided an update on the 2020 campaign audits. And as Commissioner mentioned, uh, last week there was an article on Mission Local that talked about our um, audit backlog and delays. Um, and um, you know, we certainly understand the concerns to complete these audits timely. We are taking that very seriously, and we have been actively working on it. Um, but one of the things I wanted to mention is that um, the article um, talks about um, the controller's office having offered us assistance and that our office has not uh, taken that assistance. That is um, incorrect. Um, we have actually um, sought their assistance going back to even August of 2021. Uh, when we had asked if they can provide us contracting assistance, they had suggested that we work with the Office of Contract Administration. But as we didn't have funding at that time, we had to go through the funding process to get a work order uh, and start working with uh, OCA, which is the Office of Contract Administration. So we followed their uh, guidance, um, and that process, city process, takes time to get funding and the necessary setup. So um, the controller's office had offered uh, their pre-qualified vendor list um, to use for our contracting, which is the list that we used. Um, so we sought assistance from the controller's office and OCA worked with them, uh, and we established uh, a work order with, um, uh, a contract with NGO. So we did um, follow that process. So I just wanted to kind of clarify that. 
Um, and I've also provided a brief update on the 2020 audits in the ED report. We plan a more, we, we are planning a more detailed update in the February meeting uh, where we can provide the complete status of all of our aud audits. And we have been working with NGO closely in getting information to them and getting you know, initial um, uh, preliminary information on their timeline. So we hope to have all of that in the next meeting. Thank you for this opportunity to provide more details. Um, thank you, Director Thigendale, and also thank you, uh, Commissioner Salahi, for uh, raising this uh, for um, the public's uh, awareness. Uh, do we have any other comments? If not, let's go to public comment. Madam Chair, we're checking to see if there are callers in the queue. Madam Chair, there are no callers in the queue. Okay, let us go to, uh, I think we need a motion to approve agenda item number five. Do I have a motion? Is this just for discussion? Is there anything to approve? No, yeah. this is only informational, the acting director. But we did not, did we approve this along with the consent calendar vote? I thought we okay. only voted for three and this four. This particular item will not require approval okay. as it's only uh, informational. Yes. Okay, good. Okay, now let us go to agenda item number six, which is proposed closed session. Today's agenda item includes a proposed closed session item under for public employee employment hiring of the executive director. This item has been scheduled for the commission's discussion and possible action. Let us proceed to public comment on item six, including whether to meet in closed session. Attorney General. Uh, city Attorney, do we need a motion first or after the public comment? Good morning, Commissioners. Deputy City Attorney Brad Ressi. Yes, the Commission needs to take action in order to go into closed section session. So you should take public comment before making that motion. Let's go to public comment then. We're checking to see if there are callers in the queue. Madam Chair, there are no callers in the queue. Whether to all go into a closed session. I move to go into closed session. Yeah. So let us proceed to closed session. Um, let us clear the room. And for those. Oh, yeah. Motion has been made and second, seconded to proceed to closed session. I will now call the roll. Commissioner Fenlove? Aye. Chair Lee? Aye. Commissioner Salahi? Aye. Commissioner Sai? Aye. With four votes in the affirmative and zero votes opposed, the motion is unanimously approved unanimously. We will now move into closed session. And for those who plan to come back, I would expect the closed session to last about <coughs> And for those who are watching online, uh, thank you for your continued patience. In about 20 to 30 minutes.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
Early, we are back in the public session. We are now back in public session, and I want to thank the members of the public for your patience and engagement as we now resume our open session meeting. Uh, now I want to turn it over to our assistant city attorney, Ms. Uh, Rossi, uh, to make a disclosure. Good morning again, Commissioners, Deputy City Attorney Brad Rossi. Um, the Commission has asked me to make the disclosure under item 6E cons the, uh, concerning the action that was taken in closed session. This disclosure is required um, by the provision of the Government Code and Administrative Code referenced on the agenda. In the closed session, by a vote of 4 to 0 with um, Commissioner Sai's, Commissioners Sai, Lee, Finlev, and Salahi voting in favor, and um, Commissioner Flores Fang absent, the commission voted to appoint um, uh, Mr. Pat Ford as the next executive director of the Ethics Commission. Congratulations, I think. <laughs> Should I just say a few words? Thank you, Chair Lee. Thank you, Commissioners. I'm incredibly grateful for the trust and confidence that you've placed in me. Um, so excited to get to do the critical work uh, that we do as an agency um, and work just as hard as our great staff, um, setting a high bar um, for our office, for the rest of the city, for ethics and transparency. Um, I look forward to your leadership, your guidance, uh, your patience as I learn the ins and outs of this new role. Um, and yeah, can't wait to get to know you all better, work with you very closely. Um, and yeah, thank you so much to all the staff um, in our office. It, everybody shows up every day. Um, it's a hard job. It's kind of a thankless job in a lot of ways, but so important um, for the city. And I know 
that uh, although folks don't come to our meetings as much as we wish they would, I know that when I talk to people that when I tell them what we do, that they're always very thankful. Um, so yeah, we definitely want to maintain that in our office that we're doing important work. And even though the going can be tough sometimes that, uh, you know, we all really feel that. So I want to always center that in our work. So thank you again. And yeah, so excited to get started. I understand you will be starting um, January 29th. Great, great. And the first um, item of business for you will be dealing with the budget. Great. <laughs> great, now let us go to agenda item number seven, which is the presentation, public hearing, and possible action on Ethics Commission budget priorities. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but you do need to take a vote under 6F whether to disclose or oh. not disclose the discussions in closed session. Okay, pardon me, I'm jumping over. Okay, do I have a motion? I move to no. not disclose the discussions during the closed session. Second. Need to take public comment? Let's do a public comment. You don't need to take public comment. The comment on this item was all taken in the beginning. Already taken care of? Okay, so let's take a vote, please. On the motion to not disclose closed session deliberations, I will now call the roll. Commissioner Fenlev? Aye. Chair Lee? Aye. <coughs> Commissioner Salahi? Aye. Commissioner Sai? With four votes in the affirmative and zero votes opposed, the motion is approved unanimously. Okay, thank you. Now let us go to agenda item number seven, which is presentation, public hearing, and possible action on Ethics Commission's budget priorities for the fiscal year 2024-25 and fiscal year 25-26. Uh, I'd like to first ask our Acting Executive Director, Guy Tree Thaitenau, use the item. Thank you, Chair Lee. I'm just going to set up our uh, presentation here on the screen. Um, hello, Commissioners. Um, in the agenda, you'll see a memo and a presentation that describes the upcoming budget process for uh, fiscal years 25 and 26. So the period that is covered by FI25 is July 1st of this year, 2024, through June 30th of 2025. And the period uh, covering 20, FI26 is July 1st of 2025 and uh, through June 30th of 2026. So the city's uh, uh, budgeting process is typically for uh, two years. Um, so just to give you an overview of the general um, timeline for the budget process, um, we received the budget instructions from the mayor's office in December, um, and the budget uh, deadline submission is due February 21st. Um, before that deadline, uh, city departments are required to uh, get public um, input on their budget priorities and budget proposals. Um, and the commission typically has conducted these 
uh, hearings as a part of the regular commission meeting. So this meeting, uh, this hearing, represents the first public hearing where we will discuss the budget priorities for these years. Um, we have a hearing planned for the February 9th regular meeting uh, where we will um, talk about the specific or a few <coughs> options for the budget uh, proposal before we submit it um, uh, to the mayor's office. So um, a few other dates to keep in mind. Once the departments submit the budget um, proposals by February 21st, uh, the mayor's office will look at the uh, different proposals and work with the departments and come up with the mayor's proposed budget <coughs> by June 1st, which they will submit to the Board of Supervisors. Uh, and the Board of Supervisors will then review and make changes to the proposal and um, send the budget back to the mayor by August 1st. And typically, the budget gets fully adopted uh, soon after that. Um, now to give you, um, you know, an overview of our um, funding snapshot. Um, so you see here, uh, there are three columns. The first column is for our current uh, fiscal year's approved budget. Uh, and then you see the baseline budget for FI 25 and 26. So currently we have seven million uh, approved with uh, funded positions uh, 30, um, 30.5. And then the point that the decimals there represent the specific funding amounts uh, in, the, in the budget allocated. Um, if you look at our, our org chart, you'll see 34 positions. However, um, the way in which city's budgeting process works, uh, departments are required to keep a certain number of funds aside to account for attrition. So the understanding is that, you know, as a part of normal um, attrition, uh, employees may move to other departments or move out of the city, and there could be uh, salary savings during those types of vacancies. So that's why you see the total position shows 34, but then the funded position shows 30.5 because we are accounting for that. Um, in the next few years, you'll see that the budget, the, the starting point, which is a baseline budget, goes down uh, a little bit. Um, in specifically, you'll see that there are two positions. We are down by two positions. That's because um, as a part of the, the prior year's budgeting process, we had two positions that we were not able to get continued funding. So those positions funding expire June of this year. So that's why you see a drop between FI24, which shows 34, and FI25, again, 32. <laughs> Um, and just to give you an idea, currently we have 25 positions filled. Um, we also administer an election campaign fund, um, which is not accounted for as a part of our regular operating budget. It's, a special, it's like a special project fund. Um, this fund is used to provide partial public financing for candidates for mayor and board of supervisors who choose to participate in the program. Uh, currently, the fund has $4 million and it is capped at $7 million. So typically, we provide our projections and estimates to the mayor's budget office, and they determine the allocations to this fund. And currently, the baseline budget shows that they have planned an allocation of about 446000 each year. Um, wanted to give you a high-level idea of our budget distribution. You'll see here that majority of our budget is allocated for staffing, salaries and, and um, benefits, 87%. We also have uh, some allocation for services of other departments. These are services from um, departments like Department of HR for personal and um, recruitment type services, um, services from Department of Technology for licenses, uh, you know, basic infrastructure, or communications, phones, SFGov TV support, etc. Um, and we also have a small allocation for non-personal uh, funds. Um, this represents um, 
allocations such as training for staff and maybe any services that are not supported directly by Department of Technology, like there are certain software licenses that are contracted at the city level, some of them that departments may need to fund on their own. So those types of uh, services fall under this category. So I think the main thing to note here is that we are a very lean organization when it comes to just general operational expenses. A majority of our funds are allocated for staffing. Um, here you'll see a distribution of our um, staff um, in terms of our functional areas. Uh, we have uh, six division currently, divisions currently. Um, the engagement compliance division is focused on providing assistance to filers, uh, providing advice and guidance, providing training. Um, they are also responsible for reviewing, reviewing all of the filings that come in for various programs. Um, they also provide administrative support in certain parts of our departmental needs, uh, such as, for example, assisting with the commission meetings, as we don't have dedicated staff for those types of functions. Uh, the audit division is responsible for conducting campaign audits and lobbying audits at the moment. Um, enforcement division, as you may have seen more of their work through investigations, they, they are investigators in their team conducting that work. Um, policy division, of course, working on our commission's policy efforts, as well as providing day-to-day -day support to our staff in terms of advice, clarity on how to interpret laws, um, also engaging with media. Uh, the Ethics at Work Division is a brand new uh, program that we had built out uh, a couple of years ago. Um, we had seen the need to provide greater outreach to city departments beyond the standard trainings that we offer to you know, city staff. Uh, so this team has been working with departments individually to identify their resource needs and training needs and providing customized support to them. Uh, and that work has been progressing well and is underway. Uh, last year, when we had staffing shortages, this team also stepped in to help the compliance team because we, had, um, we, we did not have enough staffing in that team. So this team has been working well with our compliance uh, division as well and, and assisting as needed. Um, and lastly, the electronic disclosure and data analysis. This is essentially our IT team in charge of handling all of our technology needs, uh, including um, providing assistance for conducting meetings, um, devices, software licenses, working with DT, making sure we have the right technology uh, policies, cybersecurity policies, and other policies. So uh, providing core support for our, our departmental day-to-day -day needs, as well as our uh, supporting our electronic disclosure systems. So that's a general overview of how we are organized functionally. Um, the next slide gives you a, a deeper look in how uh, our staffing uh, is allocated per functional area. Um, so here I just want to point out some color coding here. You'll see that some of the positions are highlighted in uh, red. Um, that is because those are the positions over the recent years we had to leave vacant to meet attrition. So this sort of represents the dip in um, you know, the allocated positions versus funded positions. We haven't been able to fill them. We had to leave them vacant based on funds that were approved uh, in, in this year. Now, I've marked a couple of positions with the 1844 engagement and compliance officer role and the junior management assistant, uh, which should be 1840 there, actually, um, a small correction. So the 1840 and 1844, um, these were positions that we're planning to, we were planning to fill this year because we do have funding. However, um, as these vacancies happened right around October timeframe, that overlapped with when the mayor's office was looking at um, conducting a, a mid-year cut. 
So we had to hold off on immediate recruitment um, to wait until they completed their analysis and gave us the okay. And you know they did approve our request to fill these positions, but by then um, the, the, the mayor's office had announced the uh, instructions for the next fiscal year. And it was clear that we may need to hold these uh, positions also vacant. Uh, we may be able to fill them until June, but we're not sure if we have funding beyond then. So that's why even though they are, we have funding right now and the plan was to fill them, we currently, at the moment, we have to leave them vacant. Um, you'll also note that there are two positions that I mentioned earlier that expire in June. Um, the 1823 Senior Administrative Analyst and also a Senior Investigator position. So this were, these are the two positions that will expire at the end of uh, the, the June this, this year. Um, the next chart gives you just another view of our staffing distribution. I think the key thing to note here are where, which areas we have vacancies. So you'll see that you know, on the administrative side, we don't have a lot of positions uh, to begin with, and there are various vacancies. And this is sort of the challenges that we typically talk about when it comes to uh, assistance with our contracting procurement or general administration. We don't have a lot of staffing there. Um, also, we currently have vacancies in the Engagement Compliance Division, Policy, and Enforcement. Um, and we've also identified the, the vacancies that are expiring as well. So it just gives you a different view of uh, the same information. Now, moving on to the instructions that we have received from the mayor's office, here are the priorities uh, that the mayor has established for the city for the upcoming years, improving public safety and street conditions, citywide economic vitality, reducing homelessness and transforming mental health service delivery, accountability and equity in services and spending. Um, and the instructions they provided with regards to cuts, um, we, the city departments are expected to propose a budget that represents 10% cut uh, plus a 5% as a contingency in case the economic situation of the city is you know, much worse than what um, they're initially anticipating. Um, so the 10% uh, and 5% basically is the same amount that needs to be maintained in both years. So it's not an additional 10 in the following year. So it's, essentially we have to present a, a budget that represents 15% cut in both years. Um, now the 10% amount translates to $680,000 and 5% is uh, $340,000. Um, we're also told that we cannot ask for new positions uh, and to prioritize uh, filling positions based on core uh, needs of the department. Um, so if you look at, um, generally if you look at our current, the, the total positions in our org chart, which are 34 positions, this is what would, we would ideally need if we were to fill all of those positions. That is 7.9 million total in the first year in FI25 and 8.1 million in the second year. And you'll see at the top of this uh, table that what is allocated though is uh, 6.8 million and seven. So there is that huge gap in terms of all of the positions that currently show up in our org chart and in terms of what has been funded. Um, now looking at the 10% budget cut, I just wanted to give you an idea of what that translates to in total in terms of um, number. Um, I had you know, talked about attrition savings that departments are required to maintain, so you'll see those numbers here for both the fiscal years. We, uh, you know, as a starting point, we have to uh, make sure we allocate uh, 644,000 and 646,000 aside from our salary uh, uh, accounts as a starting point. And then on top of that, we have to um, identify 10% budget cut. So that represents about 1.3 million in both years. So if, if at the end of this funding process, uh, if the city were to decide to do 
the 10% cut, that would mean a 1.3 million impact to us as of now. Um, now, with the requirement to propose an additional 5% contingency, that total comes up to 1.6 million in both years. So you can see that addition there. Now, um, in order to identify savings for the, the budget process, we've been looking at all of our budget accounts and how we've allocated funds. We've been looking to see if there are areas where we can um, find savings. Um, and it is clear that one of the major areas where we'll need to use savings are from salary. So essentially, most of the positions that are identified as vacant will likely need to be uh, left vacant. Uh, in addition, I wanted to point out a couple of areas where we have identified savings. One of them is our net file maintenance cost. So right now, um, we pay um, about 130 or so thousand uh, dollars. Uh, I may be off on the exact number, but somewhere in that range for NetFile. This is the vendor that provides the e-filing disclosure systems that our campaign filers use, from seminar filers use, and many other filers use. Um, and right now, all of those maintenance charges go directly to our operating budget, are charged to our operating budget. However, um, we've had a, a lobbyist project fund that was allocated through a ballot measure uh, some years ago which was specifically uh, can be used only for lobbying-related uh, uh, programmatic work. So we were able to identify portion of that particular cost, um, and you know, we can direct it to that particular fund, which would be about $59,000. So that's one area where um, we can you know, rework how the funds are allocated. Now, we have not in the past used that fund because we were thinking at some point we may want to redesign the lobbyist system. So that's what we were saving that, that fund for. So the impact of this reallocation would be that we may have lesser amounts of funds if in the future we choose to redesign that system. That, you know, we've identified areas where that system can be improved. So that's why we have the fund. We haven't touched it until now. But this may be the time when we could use uh, that fund. Also, we've been working with the Department of Human Resources uh, and identified savings there. Um, we, we learned that you know, our, the services they provide, um, they, originally the goal was to allocate a full-time person from DHR to our office. But over time, that has reduced in terms of percentage of allocation from that office. So we wanted to make sure that the budget reflected the, the, the percentage of the actual service that we were getting, which is why the 50% cut would still allow us to perform the work that we need to do in the coming years. So those are all the areas that we've identified. And this um, next slide gives you a snapshot of what the impact looks like. So for the 10% scenario, we will have to use the savings set on the non-salary side that I talked about just now, net file and the work order, leave um, five of the staff was the vacancies open. Um, and I'm not, of course, including the ED vacancy that we've had up until now. Um, and um, I, th that would allow us to meet the 10% scenario. Now, if we were to look at the additional 5%, what that would mean is we have to leave all of our existing positions vacant, and there is a gap in terms of the funds that we need to cover. So that will also mean we need to identify a position that, that may need to be potentially laid off. So um, we, we have indicated this to the mayor's office. You know, I know that, that that's something that they are certainly looking at you know, across the city. Um, so at the moment, we don't know, um, you know what kind of uh, cut we will uh, be asked to make in the coming uh, months. Um, but I wanted to go a little bit more deeper here. Well, before that, just here are the positions that are impacted, just so you know. Again, um, the vacancies that we currently have in our 
department um, represent you know, services in the areas of compliance, policy, enforcement, and administrative work. So we're already challenged in some of those areas, and that, that strain will continue to happen in the next few years. Um, and again, going a little deeper into what the 10% cut will mean for us, again, continued reduction in all of those areas where we can't fill staff, continued reduction in our enforcement capacity, um, policy, um, advice, guidance, compliance, and of course, um, insufficient staffing for administrative work. And this is you know, work um, by providing services to our um, for, to the public through our office, front office service, uh, commission meeting support, um, HR, contracting, procurement. So all of those areas, again, these are all the areas where we don't have enough staffing, and that'll continue. One other thing I want to mention in, in the previous slide is um, when you look at the 10% the and 15% scenario that I've identified, we won't know until end of May what level of cuts that we will be asked to make. So even though under 10% scenario, we may be able to fill the 1844 position that I've identified, in reality, as we don't know if you know, that is the likely scenario, we may not be able to actually proceed with filling that position because we wouldn't want to go through that process and then later on realize that the cut needed is much larger. So this represents, in terms of just budget, what the impact looks like. But in reality, we will end up having to leave all the positions vacant until we have clarity on this. Um, and moving on to what this will look like for a 15% cut, of course, um, here I do want to emphasize that the 1844 Engagement and Compliance Officer position, this is the senior position that, pro that provides support for all Form 700 filers uh, and also other ethics-related compliance requirements. So this is a key gap currently in place in our office. We do have other staff who are helping out. Um, but this, this is a key role that in the past has provided direct support to departments and filers. So that, again, is a huge impact. Uh, and of course, you know, the impact of having to identify a position to, you know, to lay off is going to have a huge impact on whichever area that falls under, plus the impact on staff morale or retention. So these are extremely concerning issues for us. Um, and just high-level idea of key priorities. Um, you know, we want to make sure that we can retain all of our existing staff, uh, especially you know, we, you know, tracking the March election. Uh, if the ballot measure were to pass, then there's going to be a lot of work in really making sure that we have all of the necessary uh, resources and materials and uh, um, programmatic bandwidth in place to support departments and the public um, on that. Um, and of course, we want to fill all of the positions that are current operational gaps. Um, and be able to maintain all of the technology services that our filers use and the public use to be able to access disclosures and you know, to fulfill the transparency uh, goal. Now, separately, uh, I'll say that I'm, I'm hoping to hear any uh, uh, feedback from all of you and the public to see if there are any specific areas that are top priorities for you. And I'll also be working with the new ED to see if he has um, any other priorities or vision for how the next few years um, will need to be planned. Uh, so this may evolve in the coming weeks, but the goal is to provide a more detailed proposal for the February meeting. So with that, I'll stop here and um, let's see if you have any feedback or questions. Thank you. Thank you, Director. Any questions, comments from the colleagues? I don't have any questions. I just want to say that I thought the graphics were really helpful in understanding the situation, especially the chart on page 16. So whoever, kudos to whoever prepared those. 
made it really easy to absorb the situation. Thank you. Thank you. Public comment first and a couple of follow-ups. Madam Chair, we're checking to see if there are callers in the queue. Madam Chair, there are no callers in the okay. queue. Okay. Um, Director, uh, I have a question regarding the specific um, impact on the policy division. Um, it's yes. always been very small. Uh, it's always been a person of one, and I think it took a lot of um, support from our um, stakeholders as well as the Board of Supervisors to um, have an additional position. And it's currently vacant, and I know that it's, it's more easy to not fill the position instead of just having to let go an existing staff member. But I think policy has always been uh, one of the least appreciative work of the commission, but it's the most vital, especially as we look long-term on uh, where um, clean government uh, accountability goes. So I don't know how um, we can really push to protect that position, but I think that um, while it's e easier not to leave some of the uh, positions vacant, um, but I think the policy position, uh, because we're looking at a 50% reduction um, of a really vital um, component, component of the commission's work. So I would like to see us come up with some um, creative strategies um, to really fulfill that position because it's, I know the support is there, the need is there. Um, I know the budget is tight, but it's, no one can step in to do the job. Uh, so that's one comment. The second comment I have is the, the senior officer position for 700 compliance. Um, we've just made a huge um, uh, accomplishment the last year. We had a great uh, response rate. Um, I think it's largely due to the staff's professionalism, its outreach, its engagement with the folks who are involved. And it's very unfortunate that we lost this person. Um, and if, if we lose this position, I'm afraid that it's going to redress back, regress back to where we were, which was a much lower uh, compliance rate. And just when the public is really looking to us um, in terms of keeping the, the city uh, honest, um, we need to find ways to, to have that position filled uh, with the qualified um, person. Uh, so those are the two positions that specifically jumped up to me. Um, I know that, you know, it, there are positions that's left unfilled. Uh, they're all important, 
but I think that looking forward to the commission's future uh, relevance uh, and engagement uh, and needs, uh, those are my two top concerns. And I hope that we'll find a way um, to work with the mayor's office. Um, and again, the Board of Supervisors approved these uh, additional staffing. So, so those are my comments. Thank you, Chair. We'll certainly take that into consideration as we plan um, options for our proposal. Thank you. If not, uh, I think the next public hearing on the budget is February 9th. Okay. We'll have a budget um, um, agenda published by February 5th. That's what we're targeting. Yeah. Okay. So let us, uh, there is no motion necessary. So let us go to agenda item number eight, which is an update and discussion regarding the March 2024 Ethics Commission ballot measure focused on gifts, training, and the other city ethics laws. Uh, Mr. Kenning, would you like to give us an update? Yes. Discussion. Thank you, Chair Lee, Commissioners. Um, the staff memo on this item provides a brief update on the status of the ballot measure the Commission placed on the March 2024 ballot back in August, uh, which has since been designated as Proposition D. Uh, the memo also provides an overview of draft regulations developed for Section 3.218 uh, of the Campaign and Governmental Conduct Code as it may be amended by Prop D. Uh, I'd like to briefly provide an overview of the regulation development process, the regulations as drafted, and discuss potential next steps. Uh, as with the earlier set of regulations approved by the Commission in August uh, when it voted on the ballot measure, uh, these regulations for Section 3.218 uh, will only be applicable if Prop D is approved by voters uh, and would only be going into effect at the same time as Prop D, which would be a little more than six months after the March 2024 election. Uh, Section 3.218 currently, um, currently contains rules governing the city's Statements of Incompatible Activities, or SIAs, uh, which are documents that each city department uh, currently has. Prop D would replace those individual documents uh, with a standardized set of rules, uh, which could, would be located in Section 3.218 and be applied uniformly across the city. If amended uh, by Prop D, Section 3.218 would contain rules for city officials regarding activities that are considered incompatible with their city service, such as engaging in activities that are subject to their department's jurisdiction, uh, offering selective assistance, uh, or using city resources for private gain or advantage. A full list of the rules in Section 3.218 is available in Attachment 1, uh, which is an excerpt of Prop D, uh, showing what changes Prop D would make to the Campaign and Governmental Conduct Code. Uh, the intent of the proposed draft regulations is to clarify terms and specify the scope of Section 3.218, uh, having this additional clarity in place uh, well before any changes that will potentially be made by property go into effect is intended to, insist, uh, to assist the implementation of those potential changes. Uh, to develop and refine these draft regulations with feedback from stakeholders, staff held two interested persons meetings on the subject last year. Uh, staff has also had multiple uh, meetings with uh, officials from the Department of Public Health to identify uh, their concerns and discuss how these proposed regulations could uh, address their concerns. 
uh, following changes to earlier drafts uh, proposed, um, uh, following changes to earlier drafts based on uh, feedback from DPH officials. Uh, the DPH officials have relayed to staff that the current version addresses their concerns and uh, that uh, while still promoting strong conflict of interest rules. Uh, now I'll briefly review the five proposed regulations in order. All of the proposed regulations deal with section 3.218A1, uh, which generally prohibits city officers and employees from engaging in activities that are subject to their department's jurisdiction, uh, which means activities that are subject to, quote, the control, uh, inspection, review, audit, permitting, enforcement, and contracting, or otherwise within the responsibility of their department. Section 3.218A1 allows for city officials to be a party to a matter before their department or commission uh, on behalf of themselves or their immediate family. The first proposed regulation specifies that this is allowed, but that the city official must also not participate in and must fully abstain from any involvement in such matters as part of their city duties. The second proposed regulation specifies that merely being employed by an entity that engages in activities subject to a department's jurisdiction is not prohibited if certain conditions are met. Uh, specifically, that one, the city official does not personally and substantially engage in such activities on behalf of their non-city employer. Uh, and that they do not participate in and fully abstain from matters explicitly involving their non-city employer as part of their city duties. The third regulation is similar to the second, except that instead of applying to employment, it specifies that owning or exercising management or control over an entity is also not prohibited if certain conditions are met. Uh, specifically, that the city official does not personally and substantially engage in activities for the non-city entity, um, in such activities for the non-city entity. Uh, two, that they do not participate in and fully abstain from matters explicitly involving the non-city entity as part of their city duties. And three, that the outside entity uh, is not contracting with the city official's department, as contracting with one's own department is already explicitly prohibited by section 3.218. The fourth regulation regards the exception that exists in section 3.218A1 uh, that allows city officials to engage in non-compensated volunteer activity for nonprofit organizations. The proposed regulation specifies that this exception includes serving on the board of directors of a nonprofit organization uh, as long as, again, specific conditions are met. Specifically, that in their capacity as a city official, they do not participate in and fully abstain from any involvement in any matters explicitly involving the nonprofit organization on which they're a board member, and that the nonprofit organization does not contract with their department. The last regulation proposes, uh, proposed specifies that contracting with one's own department includes being an officer or exercising management or control over an entity that contracts with the officials department. Uh, this is similar to a standard that's used in the city's existing prohibition against officers uh, contracting with the city. Uh, staff believes that these regulations are important for implementing section 3.218 as they maintain the strong rules found in that section while also allowing city officials to engage in certain outside activities that may be valuable, but with specific guardrails in place to limit the risk of those activities causing conflicts of interest, either real or perceived. Uh, regarding potential next steps, 
If following any discussion on the item today, the commission feels comfortable with these draft regulations, the next step would be for staff to begin working with the Department of Human Resources uh, to satisfy any uh, meeting and for obligation the city may have. Uh, staff can also make revisions based on feedback from the commission or other stakeholders prior to uh, moving forward to that step. Uh, or if the commission has significant concerns um, about the status of these regulations, um, um, we can also return back uh, with revised drafts before moving ahead with DHR on that process. Uh, regardless of the next steps, uh, or for the next immediate step, these regulations will need to come back before the commission for a final notice and approval before being voted on and potentially enacted. Uh, and with that, I'm happy to take any questions uh, the commission has uh, or to elaborate on any of the specific proposed regulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. The summary was really helpful. Yeah, I'm curious, uh, Mr. Canning, what are the kind of specific timing issues that we need to be thinking about in the event that we do want to make some suggestions? I'm looking for kind of specific deadlines, and maybe there aren't any. Um, there are no specific deadlines. I think the um, benefit of moving sooner on these than later is that there is the potential that um, there will be a meeting confer process that could take some time. And um, while the rules, if, if property is approved, the rules wouldn't go into effect until more than six months after the March election, uh, there will be a lot of training and implementation that would happen over the summer. Um, so if you know these rules were more solidified by that time, it would allow uh, our Ethics at Work team, for example, to reflect those interpretations more clearly in training materials that will be being conducted prior to the rules going into effect. Thank you. That's, um, I have a follow-up on that. So um, regardless of, well, in anticipation of one way or another, the, the, the result of the March election, uh, I would suggest that you and your team put together a specific plan uh, for action, which is included what you has said already in terms of next steps, but more concretely, um, the day or couple of days after the election, um, you know people are gonna contact the Ethics Commission. And regardless, you want to reach out mm. to, to our uh, community uh, partners. So it would be great if you can put together a sustained one-page analysis of what's the next step, what are the roles of the, com the the Ethics Commission and and uh, members of the public, so that we can really establish the um, the need to really continue to engage with the folks. You mentioned six months, uh, but six months go by really fast, and it would be great if if you and your team of you <laughs> probably um, put together that 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 plan, the the action plan the day after the election, how do you roll out, and the role that the Ethics Commission will play. So that would be very, very helpful. Yes, I'm happy to work on that, Shirley. We've also been meeting internally and implementing property, if it is approved by voters, would definitely be a department-wide um, project, and we've been meeting cross divisions to plan trainings and materials and uh, what the rollout and implementation needs would be already. And I know that I've said this from the, the first day I got here. Uh, we really need to recognize the emerging, diverse, not even emerging, but the diverse communities. Uh, and most of them had not been um, actively engaged with us. 
And I think that we really need to uh, use this opportunity to really engage with them because um, this initiative really, really impact everybody. And, and those are the folks who are the least likely to get the accurate information. So I would suggest strongly um, um, focus efforts to reach out to that community would be a top priority in language and in culture. Okay, okay. Uh, let's open up for public comment on this item. Madam Chair, we're checking to see if there are callers in the queue. Madam Chair, there's one caller. Welcome, Good caller. morning, Commissioners. Good morning. This is Debbie Lerman from the San Francisco Human Services Network. Uh, we appreciate the changes that have been made in the regulations so far, but still feel that some of these regulations are overly broad. Regarding Rule 2 about employment, it is overly broad for non-decision makers like frontline workers, case managers, childcare workers, and specialists like nurses and psychiatrists. Nonprofits are facing a staffing crisis, and this regulation undermines the ability to achieve outcomes under city contracts and also has an impact on entry-level employees with multiple jobs. We object to the requirement that the position can't be majority funded by the employee's department. Because these workers don't participate in decision-making or represent the nonprofit in discussions with the city, the regulations should allow frontline workers to engage in part-time employee at, employment at a city-funded nonprofit. The, the part on contributing to documents and materials is also vague. For example, how would it would apply to a caseworker who's preparing data for a compliance report under the contract? We also are concerned that the provisions about serving on nonprofit boards is still overly broad. For example, the regulation would prohibit hundreds of DPH staff from sharing their expertise as board members with dozens of healthcare nonprofits that contract with DPH, even if the service area isn't part of their job, such as a substance use employee serving with an AIDS nonprofit. Again, the issue is with non-managerial staff who don't participate in contracting decisions. The regulations should allow city staff to serve on a nonprofit board, even if the nonprofit has a contract with that department. It is a sufficient guardrail to ensure that the city employee does not participate in matters involving the nonprofit as part of their city duties. And um, approval could be required by the department on a case-by-case -case basis with criteria to guide that decision. I want to distinguish nonprofits and for-profits regarding the boards of directors. Nonprofit boards, board members have no personal gain arising from service as an uncompensated volunteer, and there is a negligible risk of corrupting influence. It serves the public interest for the commission to acknowledge those differences and regulate them accordingly. I recognize that this is in the ballot measure, but the six-month implementation period would allow the commission and the board to consider this change. Thank you for your consideration. Um, and also, congratulations to Commissioner Lee on completing your service. Thank you for listening to us. Best. Thank you. Madam Chair, there are no more callers. Okay. Let us go to agenda item number nine, which is, hmm. 
to acknowledge my outgoing <laughs> term. So let's keep this short and sweet so we can go home before noon. Um, Gives us half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Madam Chair, if I may add a few comments on this item. Okay. Thank you, Chair Lee. Uh, this item is on the agenda as we wanted to have an opportunity to show our appreciation for your work on the occasion of your six-year term coming to an end on February 1st, and this is going to be your last meeting. Um, on behalf of staff, um, I want to share our deepest gratitude with you for your vision, strong leadership, and commitment for the Commission's work. Um, we thank you for the support, encouragement, and inspiration that you have provided to us um, on a daily basis. Um, and, and to really, you know, keep us um, motivated to do this important work for the public. So we appreciate all your contributions and we wish you the best. We also have a plaque that we want to present to you at, uh, when we conclude this uh, item, uh, maybe uh, after the public comment. Um, that I'll, I'll stop there, but just wanted to share a general appreciation for all of your work and um, yeah, we wish you well. Thank you. Um, I'd like to make a few comments as well, but I don't want to get in front of you if you were about to say no, something. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just, um, Mr. Ford mentioned earlier that his job or the job of staff is sometimes thankless. For me, it goes for commissioners as well. And I know you spend countless hours outside of these meetings working on the commission's priorities. Um, and you don't get paid for it. So it's not only thankless, it's also not remunerative. Um, since I've been here, there are, I think, three issues in particular where I think you've been a real driving force. The ballot measure the budget issues we dealt with some months back, which will be an ongoing issue, and the executive director search. I want to thank you for really pushing those forward. Um, and I think under your chairmanship, chairpersonship, meetings have been professional, convivial, focused on what really matters, which is how it should be, but it's not always a given in local politics. I think city government would not function but for dedicated members of the community like you doing what you do. So I want to thank you for all that. Um, today's a very um, uh, um, bittersweet day. Uh, I remember um, my first um, meeting here. And um, throughout the last six years, I can say that um, I've benefited a lot from learning from um, the three chairs that I served uh, with uh, under um, the chairs Pauline, um, Noreen Ambrose, and Dean Street. Um, they have set a really great example uh, for what this commission really stands for. And I am just uh, humbled to be able to continue on the paths that they and previous um, commission has said. Um, it's been a very um, um, enjoyable uh, and learning six years. And yes, you know, like Pat and, and other folks have said, this is a very uh, difficult job. The commission, the commission is not one of those um, government bodies that people can really realize and touch the positive results of the work that the the department does 
and um, the Ethics Commission is really um, blessed to have um, not just professionals, but professionals who are dedicated, committed, and feel the compassion to do um, to carry out the mission, which is really um, um, really a rare find in public service uh, nowadays. Uh, you don't come to work just for the paycheck. Every one of you come uh, every day to do the hard work because you want to believe and you have uh, made a difference, even though it's not something that we can really touch and realize. And I, I am humbled by the, the staff because uh, it's been said that this is one of the smaller um, public agencies in not only the city but in the Bay Area, but the impact that you have made is tremendous. Um, how many people can say that you can still get emails at 1 o'clock in the morning and at 5 o'clock in the morning uh, from the previous executive director and from the current acting executive director and possibly from the next executive director because it's never a... Um, nine to seven job, and your passion, your commitment, um, and your belief that um, it serves all of us well to have an accountable, transparent, open, and engaging government, and that's what drives me. And I will miss all of you. Uh, I know that. Um, uh, you will do really well under the new leadership on the commission, as well as um, the administration. This is a great time for the commission with the upcoming election, with the uh, new year. Um, there are a lot of it ch uh, challenges, but I want to wish you nothing but the best moving forward with the most um, um, strong resolve um, and commitment. And I will be sitting on the other side of this room uh, often uh, just to keep all of us um, honest and, and, and pushing forward and what, why we have this commission uh, to begin with. So thank you very much. Okay. Um, go to agenda item number 10. Shirley, uh, um, we wanted to present the plaque to you and also oh, public okay. comment is, as is well on this. So okay, and I assume it's under the allowable gift rules, right? <laughs> Why don't we do the presentation first then, before public comment? Okay. Would that be okay? Okay. Okay, okay. yeah.
Okay, let us now go to agenda item number 10, which is items for future meetings. Yeah. Uh, Shirley, we had the public comment on this item as well. Oh. oh. I told my friend not to comment. So. <laughs> but we're going to drinks afterwards tonight. <laughs> Madam Chair, we're checking to see if there are callers in the queue. There's one caller. Welcome, caller. You have th your three minutes begins now. Hi. Thank you for this time. Um, in addition to the commission chairman, chairperson, uh, we there's someone else needs to be recognized today. Uh, and that's acting director dietary tech and deal uh, for over a year since the previous director's departure he has faithfully fulfilled the duties of acting director always acting in the best interest of the public and the ethics commission at the ethics commission uh, the ethics commission's priorities moving forward during an uncertain and i implore the commissioners to recognize and applaud her dedication and her sacrifice thank you Thank you. Okay. okay. Madam Chair, there are no more callers. Okay, let us go to agenda number nine, which is no item agenda item number ten, items for future meetings. Public comment on that? Madam Chair, we're checking to see if there are callers in the queue. Madam Chair, there are no callers. Okay, item number 11, additional opportunities for general public comment. Madam Chair, we're checking to see if there are callers in the queue. Madam Chair, there are no callers. Okay, let us go to agenda item number 12, which is adjournment, no public comment. Thank you all and have a blessed rest of the week.